Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled, I'm Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Twin Peaks The Return Part 5, full spoilers for the episode as always. Back once again, got my notes all ready. Um, you have less than usual, I have more than I have done so far. Yeah, which kind of baffled me when you said that, I was because uh, uh, I, I just didn't have as much notes by far. Maybe I'm just being extra thorough. Maybe I'm writing down things just so I definitely remember what each scene was, rather than intricate yeah, details yeah, or uh, whatever. Uh, or perhaps, perhaps I'm. I don't know. Perhaps you're seeing, seeing more than what I am. Yeah. Perhaps wouldn't be the first time, but that's yeah, very good. That's us <laughs> get into it. Um, lots of interesting details in this one, and I think I think it's just something I want to say overall about the episode is. Uh, we've spoken about how it's sort of gliding slowly back to what you kind of think of as Twin Peaks and a couple of things I want to point out more about this one in terms of that journey is one, there was a lot more shorter scenes which felt yes. more old school Twin Peaks and then the other thing was, is again there was more music creeping in yeah, yeah there is there, there was a couple of scenes that were just outright scored and it was like, oh, alright you know, there was a scene with drum beats that kind of reminded me of like some stuff in the original show and stuff like that. Do you know what was really interesting about you? You, yeah. you mentioned those swing drums that come in. Yeah, they come in with the coffee. They, they yeah, they do. They do Co- coffee and a comedy scene because I always associated them in the old show with yeah, more yeah. comedy it was, beats. It was, it was very noble that they start as soon as he notices the coffee. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to the notes on the coffee. We'll get we'll get to the journey of <laughs> Cooper and his uh, his return. Um, yep. All right, so we started with a scene with the hitmen from episode three, um, one of whom is called Dean or Jean. I didn't quite catch the name properly. <laughs> it was one of those two. <laughs> I don't think it's actually that important what his name is. But Hit- Hitman number one. Hitman number one, yes. Uh, receding hairline with glasses and uh, facial hair dude. Got kind of a sleazeball kind of look to him. Um, but um, also I noted there was a really awful effect here because the, the, it's this house in the state still uh, where this house mm. was. And uh, it's night time and the billboard's lit up, but because it's lit up, and it, it it's really obvious how fake it is, like how they've just sort of put on the yeah. image onto the screen. Yeah. Uh, admittedly, Lynch being Lynch, I'm almost tempted to suggest that he did that intentionally to look awful. Because he's, he's done that in the past in movies and stuff, where it'll have an effect look kind of off intentionally. Admittedly, it feels a bit weirder when it's like a visual effect like this. You know, like these days with computers as opposed to and like yeah. blue velvet there was a really obvious fake bird at one point uh but that wasn't cgi it was like an obvious fake kind of puppet thing yeah i don't know this didn't feel like it was intentional to me it felt just like it was lit a bit weirdly i don't know it was so so obviously awful i have to imagine that i, I can't imagine it looked at that and went oh yeah that's just good enough and waved it off i don't know i just don't know but uh, I, I anyway i noticed that um but yeah, so he the uh, they they call back to a superior of some kind, a woman, uh, in an office, and basically just really the fact that they've not got to him yet. These cars still here, uh, haven't found them, that kind of thing, and she gets really freaked out by this, and she pulls it. I actually thought it was a calculator at first, just because it was the way she sat sat it out in the desk. Yeah, yeah, it does look kind of look like one. Yeah, uh, obviously you find out in a close up in a minute. It's actually a phone. It's a BlackBerry. Um, but she she typed something into into the calculator, and then we cut we cut to another location somewhere. We find out later in the episode where it is, but we cut to somewhere, and we just see this little black box, this this receiver with two blinking red lights 
Not blinking. They're, they're kind of off. They beep when they, it gets a message, basically. Yeah. And she she types in the number two, uh, seemingly. At least that's the last thing she types. We have no idea what she typed before that. But the last thing there we see in the little screen is two. And this, this box acknowledges that it's received something. Um, at this point, nothing to really speculate on this. Obviously, it's strange and mysterious, but... Yeah, that that's that's kind of Twin Peaks, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, next scene, we actually we went back to the cops in South Dakota uh, with Constance, the, uh, the, the, the forensic specialist, and she has the two detectives in. Uh, to look over the, the the male body specifically they found in the in the room with the head, and she cracks a couple of jokes, which I'm not going to lie, were so bad that they really made me laugh. Yeah, me too. Just because I, she, you know, she's standing here with a corpse. She's supposed to be an official professional capacity where she's talking about this dead body, this serious crime, and she's cracking beheading jokes about the fact that his head's been lopped off. I can't blame her. And it, to be fair, if I had that job, I, I mean, sure, the first couple of months, you'd be like, oh, this is really serious business. But after that, you'd get used to it. And you'd be yeah, like, yeah. After a few years, you're going to be cracking jokes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but she, but then she drops that line at the end. Yep, I'm still doing stand up on the weekends. I'm like, I want, you know, I want a spin off with her doing her stand up career. Just, just the trials and errors of the tribulations of. You, you have such a low bar for what you want of out of TV. I feel like Twin Peaks could give me like a hundred spin offs. It would all be. Equally fascinating and entertaining. I'm not sure they would. I'm not sure that would be equally fascinating and entertaining. You lack imagination. You... No, no, I'm not saying it'd be equally fascinating to the main show. That's, that's not. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I meant the spin-offs would all equally be fascinating to each other. Yeah, even that, I'm not sure about. Eh, you just want a donut show. That's all you want. I can't lie. That would be amazing. Right. Um. But yeah, so obviously the main plot point that comes out of this though is that she pulls out some, she shows something that she found inside the the abdomen, which is a, a ring, and then so okay, it's a ring, right? Nothing to think about this, and then she reads the inscription on the ring, uh, or she passes it to the detective and he reads it, and it's uh, I can't remember what the exact word it was, but it was a uh, to, to Dougie love Janie E basically. It, it was a ring yeah. that Janie E gave to Dougie. Uh, Janie E, of course, being uh, Dougie's wife, uh, played by Naomi Watts. I just think she'd forgotten her name. Um, so this is obviously interesting. That this connects him in some capacity to this other seemingly random thing, which is in a completely different part of the country. I mean, this is a, yeah. they're in South Dakota. Dougie's in Las Vegas now. Admittedly, he's been missing for three days. We found out last week when he came back home. So that kind of like you know, there's there's a period there where he could have been in a different state. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I think at the time I just read that as he was with the. The woman and you know the casino. That was the three days. I think I read that at the time. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I read it as him being on like some sort of weird gambler. We don't even know if he was a gambler though. I mean, maybe he was. The, the way Naomi Watts reacts to him when he has the bag, fair enough. But we don't really have any. Yeah. I mean, I suppose the fact that Jade takes him back to the casino kind of implies that he came from there. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, but uh, no, no. So, so yeah, that this connects him to that side of things. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, like, uh, is he unknowingly working for Doppelkoop? Like, if Doppelkoop did create him, it is the distraction if it was from his side of things. Uh, which I'm a bit more inclined to think about after this. Like, all, all these hitmen and stuff coming after him. Is it Doppelkoop trying to, like, now that he knows Cooper's back, is he trying to wipe him out quickly? Like, you know, the hitman were there yeah. because he knew that that's where he'd pop up. That said, it 
it very much seems like the the money issues were you know, some sort of loan shark. So I'm wondering if it is related to that, maybe. It, it could be related. Ah, but I see uh, the, the, uh, the 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 receiver box connects the things together. Though we'll get That's to that later. True. Yeah. But there is a thing that links. There's a thing that links Doppelcoop with this these yeah. assassins later on in the episode. Otherwise, I'd agree that that would be a possibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just thinking because obviously. She talks about, oh, you, you know, it's 50,000, and it's it's very clearly not to a bank. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, speaking of that amount, we find out that it was $425,000, which, almost 430, which is the number that, almost, yeah. that the giant wanted us to remember, but not quite. So uh, maybe, maybe that's just a sort of almost there kind of red herring kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're skipping ahead, actually, to... Uh, we are, yeah to uh, that uh, so because we had a scene with Doppelcoop in the prison and he's just kind of weird at first he's like predicting that the food's about to come uh, but then we get a scene where he stares into the mirror and we get some sort of flashbacks to the, the footage of the uh, of the, the finale of season 2 uh, one of the laughing with uh, Bob and uh, Doppelcoop and one of the you know the final scene with the mirror and the, the head smashing mm. and that was that, I mean that, that was cool that, that played into it really well but then we get a really cool and creepy uh, moment uh, that I thought they did really well because there was this great moment of realization, like halfway through what was happening, what they were doing, mm. where Doppelcoop's looking into the mirror and it's like, it's, you know, there's like something imposed over his face in the mirror. It's it's kind of hard to tell what it is, but there's a moment where it becomes clear enough that what you're seeing is Bob. Yeah, the the views footage of Bob or a photo of Bob over his face, and I think it's a really inventive way to a kind of have that presence still be there when we can't have the actor, but also it was just insanely creepy. Just that being over his own face, like the the weird morphing of it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I thought I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, but again, really quick scenes, and this this was the thing uh, that was really apparent here. I just want to say the line of dialogue he says here was really mm. interesting to me. He says, "You're still with me. That's good." Which kind of implies that this is actually Doppelcoop talking to Bob. It, no, it does. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I kind of, it's kind of interesting because we we often thought of Bob just taking over, and we're and now it seems like Bob is in there, but there is like the evil Doppel version of the person as well. Yeah, like those. I mean, because both... we we were speculating about this over the last couple of episodes about how much it is yeah. Cooper and how much it is Bob, but it does seem to be there is. A distinct Cooper there. Yeah. Well, there's a Cooper, but it's not our Cooper. I think. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, a, I did say yeah. a Cooper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a doppelganger of some kind that's there. Um, but no, no I, no, I think that line definitely does imply that. And what I like about that as well is it just kind of, again, just because we, we can't have the actor, but it's like, no, no, Bob's still here. Bob's still with us. That yeah. force, that presence, that feeling is still here, even without him being here. The presence is still felt, and I, I kind of like that. Uh, so that's really cool. Uh, again, this is kind of what we're saying about how this had a lot of shorter scenes. These were all... Because I feel like a lot of these scenes in these episodes, and there are some later on that are quite long, and I like the long scenes, uh, but these shorter scenes do make it feel like, oh, we've started off enough plot threads now that we can have lots of things just coming in for a scene or two yeah, uh, and keep keep moving. And it kind of feels like we're getting to that point. Um, we cut to a scene, uh, uh, I think it's a car dealership, but uh, well, it isn't really important. It's a job interview. Uh, first of all, Mike from the original show... Uh, is working here. He's the uh, the interviewer in this case. And I didn't recognise him at first. It took a f- took a few seconds for it to click that it was him because uh, he he does look quite different. He does uh, now being all middle aged. Um, but yeah, so we meet a character called Stephen, who from this point on I wrote down in my notes as shitty Stephen. 
for for reasons that will, will become clear. I also noted down here. <laughs> I don't know why this was important, but I noted down he has a pathetic mustache, and he should wait until he can actually grow one before he lets it grow out. <laughs> I I thought that as well. To be fair, yeah, and there's also a, just a whiff of ginger about him, isn't there? There was, and I was I was like, is he ginger or isn't he? I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I'm not sure either. Because um, I, I had this, I wasn't thinking it so much now, but later on, I was really just staring at it going, are you a ginger? I can't tell. He's like partial ginger, seemingly. He's, he's an imposter. I don't want him. We, don't, a, we don't want him. He's a doppel ginger. <laughs> We're not claiming him. He's not uh, one of ours. But he is, he's a complete loser and uh, makes like, ah, oh, this is a shit resume. You've not even filled out the forms properly. You're a waste of space. Go away. And of course, this is interesting because this is kind of like what him and Bobby were like back. At, maybe not quite yeah. this bad, but they were kind of like losers in that they sense. Right. Anti-establishment, you know, they didn't have proper jobs, that kind of thing. It was kind of them. Now, I want to point out there was an insane theory on the internet, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I, I, I'm bringing it up because I did notice something in this scene that I don't think proves it to be true, but it's just sort of an anecdotal kind of funny thing that kind of ties into it. Uh, you know how the whole 3 and 15 on the, the device uh, that Cooper came through? Right, um, so there was a, a weird theory that they represented years, and that instead of coming to 2015, it changes back to three, meaning that Dougie's actually in 2003. Now, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's maybe reading into things in a, a weird way. However, I did notice it in this scene in the computer in the background. It had Windows XP on it, and I kind of chuckled and went, well, if it is the early 2000s, then... That would also explain the BlackBerry. It would, but then surely most of it would be because everything seems to like a doppelkoop seems to be in two thousand and three. All this stuff seems to be in two thousand and three. Then, if if it was, yeah. everything seems to be happening around the same time. It does seem to be, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm saying, you know, I, I wouldn't be overly surprised if they went. Oh, hang on, sure, you thought, sure. I, I'm more it, accurate. It, it's presented as it is. Yeah. Yeah. A, a more, I think another thing I I seen online as well this past week about the numbers, which I thought was a really cool touch, and I I'm assuming this is intentional. The font on the numbers, and yeah, we're talking about fonts of things now. Bear with me. Uh, is the same font on a number from Fire Walk with Me, from the trailer yard, and it was the uh, it, it was like the power lines, and the, the I think the implication there is that the numbers represent different electrical devices. And it was going to go to 15, which is the lighter in the car with Doppelkoop, but then it changed and went to 3, which is in the house with Dougie. All right, that that probably makes more sense to me. Especially with the, the time stuff you can kind of write away. The XP one, Windows XP especially, like a lot of businesses still use that. Oh, yeah, that's why I don't really think much of it, because I've definitely seen businesses and stuff still on. I've seen companies still on Windows 98. Like, it's not... <laughs> I mean, we, we use XP at work still. Yeah. So, you know. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't read into it. It just made me chuckle because I heard that theory. Uh, I was yeah. Like, oh, there's, there's XP. Um, all right. So, next up, we had a kind of scene with, a <laughs> kind of scene, uh, with uh, Sheriff Truman, uh, Harry Truman specifically. That's not Harry, sorry. Frank. Harry being the one we used to have. Uh, he's on the phone to Harry uh, and he's just talking about, oh, Harry's sick and yeah, you'll get your results back, blah, 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 blah. Just kind of letting us know he exists, which I think is a little bit weird. Like you keep bringing him up, stop doing it. Unless you secretly filmed a scene where we get to see him later. I'm I'm kind of half expecting it at this point with the way they keep doing this. Ah, uh, you you could be right. Here's here's another thing, right? No, I'm not saying expect this, right? Right now, obviously, 
we came into this thinking not for a second we were going to see David Bowie as uh, Philip Jeffries. Obviously. Um, however, he did pass away, I think, three months after they started filming. So I'm not saying expect a thing. But it's not impossible that they filmed something. It's not impossible, no. They didn't need a Ouija board to get to him, is what I'm saying. Like There was a chance, a small chance. And if they have, they've kept quiet about it. Like It is top secret if they have. Yeah. But again, they keep bringing him up. We keep talking about Philip Jeffries. So no, the, no, that is true. I feel like, though, at least with Philip Jeffries, they're not referring to him. Like They're not talking to him. They're just referring yeah. to him. Whereas with, with Harry... Is well, that... except episode two, we had a doppelkip uh, on the phone with him. Uh, that's true. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I'm not saying expect either of these things. It's just... It, it's just neither of them are impossible, yeah. Yeah, um... Yeah, so basically this was a, a comedy scene with his wife uh, who came in and complained about a leaking pipe and uh, if the car was checked and stuff. And it was it was basically just a comedy scene. I, I wonder if there's anything to read into it. If there is anything to read into it, it ha- absolutely has to be about the bucket and the fact that he says, just get a bigger bucket. And she says, I'm not getting a bigger bucket, just that I'll never use again. If there's something to read into this, I'm sure it's in that part. <laughs> but I don't, it might not be. I, th- I don't know what it is that it's saying. It's literally the only thing I can think of where there might be a hidden meaning, and just like you know, just from a theme point of view, like. I mean, I guess on the the idea of uh, a leaky pipe, it's combined with the bucket. It's okay, so there's stuff, something that's kind of beyond your control. You've got to just fix it at some point, but until you can, you kind of just catch the water. Yeah, okay, that's not that's not a bad job. Uh, I will say the actress playing the wife, I hope we don't see much of her again because she was kind of rough. <laughs> I will agree with that. She was pretty bad. Um, although I did like her delivery of the line, we're going to get that black mould, Frank. Mainly, <laughs> and the line on its own wasn't that, isn't that funny, but it was the way she we're going to get that black mould, Frank! It was just the way she delivered it. It was yeah. really funny. It cracked me up. Um, which yeah. is why, even though she was a really bad actress, it, the scene still played to me really funny. It, that's the sort of line that you can give to a bad actor, yeah. and it becomes funny because they're not doing it particularly great. Because I mean, I write in all caps anyway, because my my joined up writing in lowercase is atrocious, and I'll never read it again if I could, if I did. But uh, I made a point of capitalizing black mold even more than normal <laughs> and making it bigger. How do, how do you capitalize more than normal? <laughs> yeah, you just write them bigger. <laughs> like, like, like my regular words. The first letter is still bigger than the rest. You're a monster, right? Because yeah, you know, because I'm writing in like, uh, say, a font that has all caps, but you still put the letters that are in caps bigger to still be capitals. Where there's black mold is written in all big caps. <laughs> all right, uh, we had a scene with uh, uh, Donnie and Jenny E. Um, where she mentions that it's 450 grand, that they owe 50 grand, um, does his tie-up. So it's clearly a continuation of the morning from the previous previous scene, which is uh, all fine. Um, interesting thing about this scene, though, is uh, a very emotional moment where Cooper notices the son, Sonny Jim, and yeah. gets emotional. And more, more so than that, this very sort of dramatic, sad music comes in, this synth... And I'm like, ooh, is this an original composition? It sounds like it. It sounds like score. Um, yeah. And it was oddly touching and emotional. And I, I don't know why. But it did, it did make me think of a lot of questions about Sonny Jim. For example, um, if if Dougie was created by Doppelkoop, presumably it was a while ago if he's got a wife and kids. 
Yeah, because he's met a wife and he's had a kid. But what does that mean for Sonny Jim? Like, is he a real person? Is he? Yeah. Does he actually exist? <laughs> yeah. And why is Cooper crying when he looks at him? Can he see that he's not real, or can he see that he's like a miracle? He shouldn't exist. Yeah, I think that might be it, that that he can see that he's not real. We get some stuff with with uh, Dougie Coop, you know, to, with the you know he's lying later on. It's like he can see, and and we got it with the the slot machines where he could see the truth, and he can see the lies. Mm. And now it's here. It's like, can he see the the falsehood of of the child's life? But he still he has real feelings, and he still has like he's a real kid in every other sense. So yeah. maybe that's why he's sad. Maybe that's why the tears are coming down. Um, but no, that's uh, so again. That was another quick scene. Um, there was a something. I think it was in this scene um, where you know, obviously he's still out of it and kind mm. of just shambling around. And the wife says to him, oh, you're having one of your episodes again. Ah, like, yeah, great, yeah. So I was wondering why she wasn't finding this really strange. You know, the way he wasn't speaking, he wasn't really doing anything. And it didn't seem like the Dougie that we'd seen briefly before. But this seems to be something that he does every so often. I don't know if it's specifically this. Maybe not to this extent. Yeah, because but... I feel like the way everyone else reacts around him and doesn't seem to like react, I think that's like more of a statement that Lynch is making, like about people not like being so wrapped up in their own lives to just want to ignore the fact that he's got a problem rather than... Yeah, rather yeah but it's the way she yeah. specifically addressed like you're having one of your episodes again. Like this... Maybe not like this exactly, but something has happened before. It makes, it makes me wonder if... Uh, like, because he's technically not real... Like, was, was there times when he spaced out because, I don't know, he needed stuff, like, sent to him? What about, like, to go back to what you were saying, how, uh, you know, it was tied to, to the the body and, you know, the three days. Mm. What if he was literally, like, possessed by Bob or something? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Like, uh, he kind of borrowed the body and, and he just went blank for those I th- times. Oh, yeah, I think that's possible. I don't necessarily think that Doogie's a serial killer or... No, 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 I'm just yeah. like saying maybe those are the times where he's kind of gone blank like this. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Hmm. But uh, interesting. So uh, we go back to the house and estate, and we just see, this is a really simple scene. It's just the red car with the hitmen. Notice they're in red, by the way. I um, did notice. And then they drive off, and then another car, a black car, comes driving up and seems interested in Doogie's car. So there's another interested party in Doogie. Yeah. Um, and... Maybe maybe I'm just jumping to some weird conclusions here, but I'm going to say that given that we later on have an established connection between the red car hitmen and Doppelkoop, I'm wondering if the black car or not. And the reason that I'm jumping to that is because the red car, as we've said before, the colour red is like the, the path to the answers. So the red is the, the Twin Peaks connected stuff and the black is just the random they owe money to the people related to the black car. Uh, that would make sense from myth- a thematic point. Admittedly, I don't know why like five young guys playing metal music, uh, <laughs> like you know their involvement in this. Maybe it's just a, a younger, a younger man's uh, loan shark scheme or whatever it is. But they seem very interested as well in Doogie. So that yeah. was that was the next scene, and it was very simple. It was a very it was basically it was actually all one shot because it was uh, it followed the red car out and then it panned back over and followed the black car in. Yeah, and then that was it. And that was it. Yeah. Um, Alright, page two of notes. Um, so yeah, this is when we had the probably the first big scene of the episode where Dougie goes to work. Uh, 
your wife drops him off, he sort of shambles in, there's that long shot of him just waiting in the in the entrance, just kind of standing there. I mean, deep. even before that, you've got him staring at the, the statue and doing the, the finger gun. Quite right. I've written down that he recognises the act of holding out a gun. Yeah. Um, which I think is the first of many. Right? Obviously, he goes in and then the, the first of many faces uh, that I recognised was this kid who comes in with the, the coffee. If you didn't recognise him, he is currently Saul's like, cameraman on Better Call Saul. Um, but he he's like, oh, Dougie, we got the staff meeting in like five minutes. Better hurry! And he's got like stacks of like you know coffee in the uh, in the disposable cups that you get from the coffee shops. And he's uh, he, t- he takes him up, and obviously it's really funny. Like I actually burst out laughing the moment that uh, Cooper kind of smelled the coffee and just sort of started following. Like it was like instinct, like yeah. coffee. Um, and then he goes in the elevator and he insists on getting his coffee, getting some coffee, and he gives him Frank's. Because Frank, yeah, never, drinks like, Frank anyway. never drinks it anyway. Yeah. Um, Lucky 7 Insurance is the company that he works for. He works for an insurance company called Lucky 7. Also, just on the, the idea of uh, Cooper repeating things, mm-hmm. in that bit with the elevator, we got the, the damn good. Oh, yeah. It's all, it's all coming together. Damn good, Joe. Yeah, yeah. We're all, exact... Yeah, yeah. We're, we're getting there. But it was yeah. the, the damn good that he really fixated on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because the guy's just trying to make sense of that. He's like, because because as he's drinking the coffee, he's like, mmm, mmm, coffee, mmm. It's like, damn good, Joe Diggy. It's like, Joe, Joe, I'm loving about this whole Diggy thing. I love that everyone seems to say his name a lot. They do, don't they? It's something that I find is strange because I think in real life you don't actually say people's names all you that don't. much. It's actually not, especially it... not in conversation. Yeah, it's one of those things that, in a, like, whenever I've tried to write like a script or something. Um, and you feel like, oh, I want the audience to know what this character's name is, but I feel really weird just writing "Hey" name here because it you sounds unnatural. It, you can kind of do it in an in an introduction. You know, when when characters meet each other, you yeah. can kind of go, oh, hey, you know, whatever. But that's if you have a scene like that. Maybe you're that's if you, yeah, that's yeah. if you have a scene like that. If you're just in a conversation, I feel it's really rare that people bring up your name if they're talking to you. I typically do it with you when I'm going to insult you. I'll say, yeah. Connor, you asshole. No, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, that kind of works. Um, and even when he gets out of the elevator, he uh, notices like the other woman who was in there like sits down with another guy, and they've got mugs of coffee. And it's almost like, yeah, his coffee's good, but he likes it in a mug, and he's staring at the mug. He's like, I want no, I want not the mug. Uh, but the, the other guy kind of like leads him into the meeting. Uh, and we're introduced to like, another character who I think was Tom Sizemore actually, although I feel like I feel like he's changed so much since I used to recognise him. Uh, is the other guy who comes in and he sort of pats him in the back and he's like, hey, I cover for you, Dougie. Yeah, remember that, buddy. Uh, and then he just kind of saunters off because he's acting weird. Uh, other small thing, uh, we meet a... Uh, the, the main one we meet here is the female, Rhonda. She uh, sort of she gets hit on by this other guy who works at the company and he's like, oh, did you get my note? And she's like, just go and talk to your wife. And he, he, so, yeah. Uh, just giving you a, and I'm sure these characters may become a bit more... Even she gets a little bit more later, but just... Uh, but I want to talk about the, the conversation with Frank. Because I really like this this conversation, and I think it's a meta bit of commentary about the new season of Twin Peaks, because Frank notices that Dougie or Cooper is drinking his coffee, and he's like, "Hey, what the hell?" He's like, "I, I really wanted it. Uh, I've got some green tea latte here. Do you want to try that?" It's like, "No, I want that. Oh, just give me it." And then he takes it and he drinks it, and at first he's like, oh, "I don't know," and then he drinks it again. He's like, "Oh, it's not." And he drinks it again. And by the end, by the third sip, he seems like he's really enjoying it. And I actually thought this is this is Lynch being ultra meta and talking about how fans just want the old Twin Peaks. They just want the old thing that they wanted. But, 
but uh, yeah yeah it's the idea it's like you're gonna you're gonna get what you're given and you're gonna like it yeah yeah almost a little bit cruel perhaps but uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it cracked me up because I, I thought it was a really well done little scene uh, but then, then sort of continues the memory thing. So the, the boss comes over and uh, Sizemore's character's like, "Hey, uh, there's this claim. I'm sorry, it's valid. The guy checked it out. So it's an arson claim." But because just in case this case becomes important, it's an arson case. In case this yeah. comes up at some point. Uh, but Cooper's looking at him, and he gets this little flash of green light. It's almost like uh, his jacket's reflecting off of something. That's what I thought it yeah. was at first, until he. You know, actually said something. I thought yeah. it was just a reflection. Um, I was like, that was weird. I think for us, that's just a visual cue that he's seeing something. Because uh, obviously, the way I'm reading this is that his instincts as a as a detective, uh, you know, from being yeah. Agent Cooper, are kicking in. Because we always seen in the old show, he was very good at noticing when people were a couple, when they didn't say it, or when they were lying about something. And this was him just saying, he's lying. Because he just knows that he is. He feels it. Yeah. Uh, why, why he's lying? I mean, he's trying to fraud them or whatever. I think it was interesting because obviously, the, the, the head guy at the at the meeting is like hey the, you know the forensic said it was arson so uh, and then th- this guy's like no 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 there's nothing yeah yeah so that yeah. was interesting how he is like, he's literally going against the forensic so so thoroughly yeah so it's curious because uh, I, I expect something will at least come from him being corrupt in some way yeah if, if the case itself is not that relevant maybe it will be but um and you can tell the boss kind of is like, what do you mean by that, Dougie? Like, he, he wants to know. Like, want, yeah, it's like he he maybe suspects that the guy is lying, but he wants someone to, you know, present yeah. some evidence so he can do something about and, it. And obviously Cooper's got nothing. He just sits there, still kind of catatonic. Uh, and he's like, right, you come and see me. And obviously, obviously uh, Sizemore's character is like pissed at him because he's like, I, I had your back while you were gone and now you're putting me in the shit for no reason, you asshole. Uh, but the boss man keeps him by afterwards for the... Uh, j- just to talk to him and uh, sort of... Basically give him out of trouble for like showing up. Because basically the, the other guy is like, really good at his job and closes so many cases, whereas Dougie has like you know a, a, crap, you know, a shittier record. And he's like, here's a bunch of paperwork. You need to go through these case files uh, for tomorrow. And he's like... Case files. Yeah, there's a, there's a few words. Here. The first one's agent. Then yeah, game. I was getting to that, but yeah, you're right. That was first. Yeah, and then case files. Yeah, so it, you know, it's it's these certain things that are stand to link the game. You know, to do with the chess, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was agent and case files really stuck out though because they're very specifically FBI. They are things. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I noticed in this scene we talked a lot in the last episode about the red dice on the manager at the the casino's desk. There mm. was a dice or a die on uh, this desk as well. It wasn't red; it was black. Yeah, right. Um, but it was there. Uh, I noticed it. So, just in case, was that theme? Maybe, maybe this tie into the same way we've got a red car and a black car. Oh, we don't have yeah, a red maybe. red dice and black you, dice. There was something overall I was really noticed about this. We're talking about how every, everyone's kind of just treating Dougie like normal. They're kind of just going with it and mm. not like you said no one really wants to get into it but he really stands out from everyone else like whenever he gets into the elevator he always he doesn't realize to turn around and face the door when everyone else is oh, his jacket is his jacket is bright green everyone else oh, yeah. is just just black and gray I, I, I think that's just amping up the point though is that it's so blatantly like this is almost a criticism of society it's so blatant that this person needs help that they they are unfit right now. He's he's literally beaming yeah. light of this green jacket and saying, "I am unwell. Someone help me!" And everyone's happy to put their head down and ignore him. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's just how notable he sticks out though. With the, yeah. I think when it was just the green jacket, first, I thought that maybe that was a, a uniform that was that they were all oh, wearing. Oh, not. <laughs> but that, no, no, no. When we saw it before, yeah. but then when we get into the office and he's the only one wearing it, it really stands out. Aye, the rest of the people look like regular people. Yeah, regular regular, people. regular suits. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's that. Uh, after this scene, he needs to pee again, and he's he doesn't know where to go to pee, and that's when Rhonda comes out and uh, helps him. He's like, "Oh, you did, there's the men's room locked. I'll you know give you a key. I'll lighten the ladies, and I'll uh, keep guard for you." Uh, and then she, then we we get this idea that Dougie's a bit of a ladies' man because we, sure we already knew that he was with the prostitute with Jade. Uh, yeah. When he's also married, obviously, you know, uh, Dougie being a little adulterous, adulteress, adult, adulteress, right? Adulteress. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know, it sounds like she's an actress, it sounds like a... No, no, no you're yeah, right. That's fair. Um, but no, just, and she like, oh, maybe I'll let you kiss me now. And I was like, hmm, has he made a move before? But, you know, and she's declined him up until now, but for whatever reason, acting like a zombie's doing something for her. I mean, I guess the, the point of that is the other guy was really trying hard to come on to her, you know. Uh, no, oh, here's here's yeah. the note. And now he's just kind of playing it cool, essentially, to her. It's Actually... Like, oh, I mean, you say playing it. I don't know if like standing in the hall holding his cock. Like, going, uh, no, oh, no. Pee. I, I, I mean, not pestering her. <laughs> I, I, I get you. Actually, you could almost, if I was going to read it another way, I'd say maybe it was the telling the other guy that it was lying. Like there was that show of like honesty. Yeah, maybe yeah, impressed that, her. That could be part of it as well. I don't know, but she also she also I actually kind of appreciated that she giggles when she hears him like basically just groaning and like he's just kind of like oh finally I get to pee, and she starts to giggle at the sound of it and it was amusing. No, I agree. Um, but yeah, so that was that was the peeing scene. That's two episodes in a row with peeing scenes, by the way. Let's keep, keep this trend. Should we, going. Should, should we make it a hat trick? I think we should try. Uh, so we go to the casino, and basically the big boss men come in who uh, yep. own the casino and. Basically, fire and beat the shit out of the uh, the manager. Uh, notably, of course, these two actors here. Uh, we got uh, Abolushi and we got uh, Kemper. Um, he, he's of course he's of course currently on iZombie. Zombie. He was also most famously known for Teabag on Prison Break. Um, but again, two recognisable actors popping in from other things. Uh, of course, something we have to talk about in this scene is the three random sort of Vegas showgirls who are just sort of leaning against the wall in the room. Yeah. Super David Lynch. It was reminding me of a couple of different things. It reminded me of Mulholland Drive. I don't know if you remember the scene where they're auditioning girls and they're all in pink dresses singing. Yeah, yeah. Reminded me of That's that. What it reminded me of as well. Yeah, a little bit of the uh, the woman in the radiator from Eraserhead. And that probably sounds ridiculous to you because you've not seen Eraserhead. It, it does a little bit, but I'm willing to believe <laughs> that it makes sense, or at least more sense in context. Yeah, but and here's something else I noted down about them because uh, there's three of them, and I noticed that. Once the the beat down, because it was basically it cut to them a few times while the uh, manager was getting punched, and yeah. uh, one of them was smelling, one of them was mesmerized, sort of looking off into space, and then the one in the middle looked bored. I thought mm. that was interesting. They all had a completely different sort of expression on their face. Well, that is interesting. Uh, but no, so that's uh, uh, the other dude. Presumably, the assistant manager has now been promoted to manager. Uh, yep. He's he's scared shitless. And they basically. I like, just I, I like the idea that he's not even the assistant. He was just who was there. Uh, possibly. I'm only saying assistant because he was around in the uh, the last episodes. He was, yeah, sort of helping out. But um, no, nah, so they basically just say if he ever comes in again, we're gonna you know tell us because we want to yeah have a word with him kind of thing. Um, 
So again, th this idea that we've got all these things, these plot threads dangling, we've got the casino, we've got this, and because we've established them all now, we can have like a little bit of them each time. It kind of feels that way anyway. It does. Um, so next scene, we went back to the house and estate, and the if you remember from episode three, there was a junky neighbour across the street who had a kid. Mm. Uh, the kid comes out and goes up to the car, uh, and he's going for the... Now, in episode three, when we've seen this happen, I said, oh, they put a tracker on his car. And it was funny, because as the kid was walking to it, I was like, you know, that's kind of big for a tracker. I hope that's not a bomb, because this kid's going to fry. Mm. Um, and I, I legitimately thought that as the kid was walking towards it. And then sure enough, the rest of the scene played out. Um, but the kid goes for it, and then the black car comes up. Now, obviously, it's the people in the red car who put the bomb there, so they know not to tinker with the car. Um, but the guys get out in this black car, and the car, of course, explodes, and three of the guys uh, burn alive, basically. They'll die. And there's two left who drive off in the car. Uh, a couple of details about this that I thought was uh, interesting. The kid had a had a number on his shirt. Oh. A number one. Now, the number one itself, I don't think it's that important. Oh, I mean, it might be in the future. Uh, but I know, I, the reason why I noticed it and noted it down was because it was red. Yeah, okay. He's the, the first witness. Yeah, there you go. Tell me that would be Jade. Nobody not. I mean, the, the, the first witness to this specifically. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, that's yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, it blows up. The kid runs back inside, and that's when the junkie mother, who's asleep in her her chair, wakes up, and she's got drool dripping from her face and all the rest of it. And then next bit of scoring came in here, and that, that's yeah, kind of really horror piece. It was, yeah, I would almost I wouldn't say it was full on horror because it was very, it was very dramatic. I almost sounded like the sort of music you'd have. When like uh, like the, the the leader of the good army's dying in a war scene or something like that, it was like very dramatic and very yeah. very sort of high strung. Um, what I thought was more interesting though is is when it started in the scene because it, it didn't start as she was waking up. She already woke up. It was just kind of as the car had like a sort of little you know little, not a little bang. It was a little yeah explosion kind of thing. Um, and then that's when the really dramatic music kicked in, and she's just kind of disorientated. She's not really watching, and I mean. I don't know if this is like commentary here, but like the world or anything. I just I was just kind of thinking like, man, you're a really shit mother. Your kid almost got blown up because you were high. Yeah, yeah. And then we see the, the the kid watching through the window. Yeah, through the blinds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's this idea that you know even the she's so caught up in her own reality that you know there's literally a, an exploded car. It's on fire. But yeah. In the in the same way, no one responds to Dougie. She just doesn't care. Yeah. I almost I think it's kind of interesting this idea that this this house despite the fact that there's a junkie mother in it is kind of his safe place and he sort of returns to his safe place in the couch behind the the blinds which almost feel like a, like almost almost kind of like a jail cell kind of vibe like the idea of looking through the blinds obviously they're mm. going a different direction they're horizontal but no I, I see what you mean I don't know but there was just something about it like like he's sort of trapped he's he sort of locked away from the world and then the one time he sort of snuck outside it was like immediate like high danger shit happened yeah yeah like th these big guys like were telling me you know go away and throwing rocks at them and then the car exploded like it was just you know um then we had a short scene with jade now this is a very interesting so we see jade's getting her car cleaned and uh D dougie or cooper left his key the 315 uh you know great northern key in the car yeah. and she turns it over and there's basically you know return to here to kind of thing and she puts it in the, the mailbox to post it and obviously my, I had two thoughts about this my first main thought about this was oh this is a trail this is how the FBI are going to end up finding them because this key's been sent from Vegas and right that was the first thought the second thought and this is the one that I'm more excited about 
is I think this might be how we get Audrey. Yeah, could be. That makes sense. Because I'm thinking, you're at the Great Northern. This this package comes in, this key. And who who's that going to mean something to? Who, who's going to see that number and know exactly who was in that room and why this might mean something? Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I was thinking as well. Like, you'll get that and they'll see. I, I didn't specifically go to her, but I get the idea yeah. that this will come in. They'll go, hang on. We know whose key that is. They'll go to, you know, the sheriffs and they'll be like, hang Especially on. Especially if Co- they've... Cooper's out there. Yeah, especially if they've replaced all the keys in the last twenty-five years, and it's like an old. Yeah, I imagine design. they've probably got the electronic keys now. You know, yeah, the, the swipe cards. Yeah, and they'll be wait a minute, this is ancient. Where, where did this come from? <laughs> and, and then this is why I'm thinking, Audrey, because she she obviously visited Cooper a lot in his room. She she knew quite well what room he was in, and I'm just wondering if that's like, does she come looking for him because she gets this key? Um, I don't know. It could just be a case of they contact the FBI and then they're like, oh wait a minute, what? That just came yeah, from yeah. Vegas when. We're, we're tracking this doppelcoop in the prison kind of thing. So would be interesting. Either way, I, I think it's definitely leading a, a paper trail to him. Like, Yeah. So Someone's going to find him or know that he's out there because of this key. But I think that's clear. That's the clear thing. Um, who yeah, it leads yeah. to exactly is completely up for debate. But I was just, I was thinking, I was getting excited. I thought, oh, maybe this is how we get to Audrey. That, that does make sense. I, it wasn't something that crossed my mind, but you're probably right. Yeah. Um... So I was assuming Jade. Uh, and then this is the first thing. We cut to the double R diner. And I thought this was pretty cool because obviously it's a you know, prime Twin Peaks location. But at the same time, they've shown a lot of restraint by not making sure we had all these locations in the first episode. They've actually just, oh, we'll cut it to it now because it's important now. We're going to yeah. have things here now. Uh, and we see Norma. She's uh, doing bills. We see Shelley still working there. And we meet Shelley's daughter, uh, Becky, who was mentioned in episode two. And she comes in, and she's she's clearly working for them. She's dropping off bread and stuff, um, kind of thing. And she asks her mother for money, and you get a sense. I mean, we already knew from the, a previous episode that uh, she's you know she's got a shitty boyfriend and more than that. Things are all going to click together in a second. Um, and what I liked about this scene, I liked how everything was from Norma's perspective. We sort of stuck back with her. We could hear some yeah, of the lines. Yeah, we see her watching it. Yeah, we couldn't see. All, we couldn't hear all the lines. We could hear some of them. She could see that Shelley was taking money out of her purse, out of her tips, that kind of thing, yeah. uh, and handing it over. So we got this like concerned mother kind of vibe from her because, like, she she is almost like Shelley's surrogate mother in a, in a weird way, um, yeah. or at least big sister, however you want it. What give, give whatever title you want. Um, but I was getting kind of that vibe, and then she comes over and talks to her, and that's when the reveal, because obviously that scene with uh, shitty Steve earlier on felt relatively, I mean obviously it was Mike behind the counter, but it was relatively random otherwise, like, we don't know who this guy is, but it turns out we did kind of know who he was, because we've, we've heard them reference before, we heard the, you know, that her boyfriend's not right for him, and then we see him sitting there in the car, and what I really loved about this scene, this reveal that she's dating this asshole, is very similar to how we first found out Bobby and Shelley were together in the first Twin Peaks episode. Because they went outside him into his car, and it was very, yeah, right. it was very similar to that to me. It also, his car was white with a giant red. I think it was a falcon on the on the bonnet. Sure, I don't know what bird it was. I don't know what bird it was. A big red bird, though. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we, we talked all about birds. We talked all about owls. It wasn't an owl, admittedly. It definitely wasn't an owl. But you know, and also the color red. This idea that it was red kind of. Yeah, I, know, I noticed the seats and even the seat belts were red. Mm. Um, I noticed them a lot in in a minute. And also, we didn't even uh, mention that Becky's played by Amanda Seyfried. So, again, another actor to who they save for episode five. <laughs> come, yeah, come yeah, in. but it's like, oh, okay, I know who this is straight away. Yeah. You know, but like I say, episode five, it's you're expected to have seen 
most of the big ones by now. Yeah, I mean, Naomi Watts didn't come until episode four, and e- even Norma as well, as a as an old character coming back. We didn't see her till now. Um, oh, yeah. But it, it didn't feel like it was... Uh, I, I actually kind of like how they've done it in a weird way, because... It does feel kind of like the original show did when it was, you know, excluding that shitty period where Lynch wasn't there. It did feel like they could not talk about a plot for a while because they didn't need to and then bring it back in when it was relevant. Yeah, that's true. It also kind of just, it gives this feeling of every episode, it's like, here's something else you were excited for. Oh like, yeah, here's another surprise, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, but uh, what I liked about it was, is it just, it felt like we'd never left. It felt like, oh, we're just back in the double R diner. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, everyone's a bit older, but it feels kind of similar. It was uh, basically the same, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, like, yeah, we talk about how the the police station has changed. You know, yeah. not from the little bits that we see at first, but then it opens up and says, like, "Okay, things are different." Here, yeah. so, it's it's so, still Shelley and Norma doing the diner. It's, uh, it's like, nothing's changed. Unless we go through a door and there's like a whole new section that's like a fancy drinks bar or something. It's yeah, it's that, the same. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's the same old diner, uh, which is nice. And the same re- mistakes are being repeated because much like because uh, Shelley and Norma have that line with each other where it's like, oh, we know that song all too well. You know, they're having yeah. a shitty boyfriend because he's like, oh, you, you need to intervene now and like talk to her about him being that an asshole, or it'll, it'll be too late. And we we both know that because obviously Hank and Leo. Yeah, so I like the idea of like repetition, like the idea of these life cycles that are happening, and like her own daughters repeating their own mistakes. And it does seem like what I like about Shelley in this scene, it really feels like she has matured. Not obviously she's older, but it feels like she has had some life experience now, and she's not the same immature young person she was back when we last yeah, seen her. So definitely. So Shelley, Steve, and Becky notice they're being watched, and Steve drives the car round round the corner so they can't be seen. Um, and this is where maybe we start to connect with some other plots that are going on. I mean, I don't know if it doesn't seem like he's dealing anything, but he's certainly buying the drugs that are coming to Twin Peaks because we find out that he's he's on coke. He, he, he obviously he's shitty because he's making his girlfriend like get money from his her mother. Like that, that's yeah. shitty of itself. And then we find out that he's also spending money on drugs. Like okay, you're just like, you're basically a junkie at this point where you're you're scraping money together just to buy drugs. Uh, and then he even says, uh, oh yeah, I, I took a lot, all this cocaine today for, you know how nervous I get from interviews? And he's, he's like, I got some great feedback though. <laughs> yeah, it yep. was feedback. <laughs> yep. great, it's the word I'd use. Um, but yeah, you get the sense of how awful he is and you're like, why is she putting up with this asshole? Kind of thing. Again, bringing back like a theme from the original show where we were like, why does she put up with Leo? Why Kind of thing. Yeah. These kind of vibes. Um, and any kind of sweet talks are afterwards. Like, I'm going to take you to dinner. I'm going to tell you how sexy you are. And we see we see that he's corrupting her because he makes her take some drugs. It, you know, here take some cocaine. Uh, not as much as he's had because he's had like, the whole bottle. But um, just like, the one line. Yeah, but th- this idea that, that he's been this influence on her. Um, and then at least actually a really creepy scene. Uh, at least I thought it was creepy, which is like I said, like top down view of her while she's kind of high and they're driving and this old songs playing again. More music coming into the show. Yeah. But, uh, I, didn't, I didn't think it was creepy necessarily. Creepy is not the right word, but I thought there was something unsettling about it. It was it was a really unusual angle. It was really close up and in a kind of uncomfortable way. Yeah, it is the shot you only. It's the sort of shot you only ever see when someone's on drugs. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I I just naturally associated with that. And they did something to her eyes as well to make it really clear she was. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were really wide. Yeah. But um, I did notice it was here where I really noticed that the seats were really red and the seat belt was red. Yeah. And obviously here I'm more inclined to think less it's to do with the the lodge and that stuff, and more just it's the traditional red of this is danger. Like you know, you this this place 
is bad for you. Yeah, yeah. Also, I want to point out that Willie was sweet talking. So I'm going to, when we go to dinner. I'm going. To, but that's another thing. He's just scraped mother from from money from her mother, and he's like, "Oh, I'll take you out to dinner." No, if, you, if you're tight on money, spend it wisely, yeah. you douchebag. But uh, clearly, he's not uh, all there in the head. Uh, I just want to point out as well that as he's trying to sweet talk her, he's like, oh, "I'm going to tell you how pretty you are and how how much I love you and how this and how beautiful your eyes are." And then he just adds on and how majestic your tits are. That that was a line. It was. It, it was. was. I mean, admittedly, I think in certain contexts that could come off as a funny little sweet joke. From him, not so much. Him with his like little pube mustache. Yeah, it feels like that's Creepy. that's actually how he feels. <laughs> it does actually. It's like it's like anyone. If I said that, I'd be like, I'd be doing it as a little joke. Him saying it though, I think that's actually what he thinks is a good compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um. All right. So then we had that scene you you alluded to earlier with uh, Donnie in the elevator. Uh, Donnie, Dougie, aka Cooper. I just, you said what, Donnie earlier as well, but you just brushed over it so fast I didn't bother. Do you know what I think? It's my handwriting. It looks like Donnie. How bad is your writing that it's in all capitals and you still think Dougie looks like Donnie? <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> it's a good question. But it's just a glance at it. It looks like Donnie, all right? I, I don't know. But yeah. he's in the elevator and you mentioned that he was looking the wrong way. And I, I again, just maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I like the little simple symbolism that... He is viewing the world a different way that everyone else is right now. So he's like facing the back while everyone else is facing the front. That's yeah, kind of it's like also that. he was literally blocking the way out. He was he was mm. kind of like literally he's kind of almost forcing them into what he wants to see. Yeah, and they force their way past them because they don't want to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, uh, really simple. Then he goes back outside and he's, he's sort of infatuated with the statue. We'll talk about that again later at the end because it kind of, we kind of come back to that. Um. All right, so then we cut to the, the the station again. We have Hawk and Andy uh, going through the files. This is just this is basically just a very little scene with a small amount of humor, just to remind us that this is still happening. That is basically the purpose of this scene because uh, they're looking through the files as we've seen they've been doing, and Andy says, "Did you find any Indians?" And he's like, yeah, "No." Yeah, he says, "He says, yeah, I haven't found any Indians." Yeah, yeah, uh, and he's like, "No, I've not found any either." And that's basically the scene. But again, I think it's just to remind us this is happening. This is ongoing. Also, don't watch twenty seventeen. There was a half-eaten donut on a plate. You missed one earlier. I did miss one earlier. Uh, as I get at the staff meeting, one of the random guys at the meeting walked him with a plate with a donut on it. Oh, right. Too busy looking at the other stuff in that scene. Yeah. This one, it was just, oh, I can focus on the donut. I know I know how you feel, but that, that was the donut there. At least I think it was a donut. I mean, they could swear of me, and it was actually like just a... You know, you know one of those bagels where you think that's a donut, and then you get close, and you're like, oh, no, that's just a bagel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do know exactly what you, I know exactly what you mean. It's, it's like the most disappointing moment. The funny in thing life. is, it's not even like I, I don't like bagels. I I can enjoy a bagel, bagel with some bacon in it, lovely. But, but, but when you think you're gonna get yeah. a donut and then it's a bagel, yeah, I, I go. That into, is a disappointment in every sense of the word. I go into that exchange knowing I'm getting a bagel, so I'm happy with the bagel. <laughs> but when yeah. I think it's a donut, hmm. Um, Oh, right. Then we had a scene with uh, Jacoby, and I laughed my head off at the end of the scene because... Me too. Last last week, I was theorising about the five golden shovels, and I was like, oh, what, what does five golden shovels mean? This means something. The symbolism in these five gold shovels. We, we were proper going, at it, especially since in the very first episodes, we, we saw the shovels being, you know, he was using them there. And... I have no doubt Lynch is going to have some weird meta commentary at some point about people looking for things too hard that they're going to start analysing the stupidest of things, but um, 
So also, I will say that the what it turns out they're for feels much more in line with his character. Like it would have been weird if he had some weird link to what was going on, or yeah, kind no, of thing. I agree with that. Um, so yeah, uh, he basically he streams live, uh, kind of like Twitch. Or he's not playing a game, but he's streaming live on the internet, probably on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Which again, you know, so much technology's changed in the last twenty five years. But he uh, he's basically a conspiracy nut who talks about being poisoned by what they put in the water and stuff and soil. And he also mentions, and this is one of my highlights, uh, that he, you can only see through bullshit with a cosmic flashlight. And then he whips out what he claims is a cosmic flashlight, which is just a flashlight with like little wing things on it. Yep. And then shines it right at the camera. It does. And it's he, like this beam cuts through everything. <laughs> and then he, call, he calls himself Dr. Amp. He also mentions on Whitetail Peak. Now, I've got a feeling that the original show might have mentioned the name of the peaks at some point, but I didn't remember it, so I thought that was cool. It's like, oh, Whitetail yeah. Peak, that's one of them. I, I was also considering that that was just a misdirect, because, you know, he's not giving his real name, so I was wondering ah, if sure. it wasn't actually a real location. He was just kind of saying that. Yeah, he's out in the wilderness, though, so I could buy that he's also uh, Yeah, real. he could be. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, it was something that just crossed my mind. Um, no, you, you may be right. Uh, we see a couple of... Well, obviously, we've seen Jerry before, uh, but he's watching this broadcast. Uh, we also see that Nadine's watching the broadcast. We've not seen her yet, so that's another person who's yeah. just sort of thrown in here. Um, in episode five, uh, I like the idea that the, the, the pothead and Nadine, who is really crazy, are the two people who we see are loyal viewers of this. Especially Nadine, and I'll say I'll explain why I love that Nadine's watching this. Especially since where this goes at the end, with it being a commercial for some stupid product. Because... All the way back in the original Twin Peaks, she was trying to make a stupid product that she could sell. Yeah. And she remember she bought the, the, the drape runners and she tried to make them better with the cotton balls. Yeah, yeah. She wanted them to be silent. This just felt like it was kind of like, this is what she does. She watches this type of garbage and then sometimes buys the stupid shit that she sees. Yeah, pretty much. But which we're, which we're getting to. So basically... Can, can we talk about the incredible tagline? Tagline? The, yeah, the, the sales line. Well, I just wait. Well, let me see what he's got in sale here first, and the price. I just uh, okay. I mean, it ends with the price, but yeah. Well, yeah, because he goes through all this. He's like, "Oh, we're in shit," and he does this little commercial he plays of him like standing in mud, and he's like starting to shovel his way out with his gold shovel, and then he's standing there holding his gold shovel, and he's like, "You can, you, you too can get your gold shovel. Only twenty nine ninety nine. That's right. Only twenty nine ninety nine plus shipping and handling. Yeah, plus shipping and handling. I was gonna say. Yeah, that. yeah. Um. And they're called, and this, this is, he said it during the thing, but I, I never really considered that was the name of them until it came up on the screen at the end with the actual, like, sort of caption. Same. And it said, get your gold shit digging shovel. Gold shit digging shovel. It's glorious. It's gloriously awful. I cannot tell you how much I laughed when, uh, no, it wasn't so, I mean, I laughed when the screen came up at the end, but it was when it, it played the video and I realised he was just trying to sell some gold shovels. When I realised that that's what he was doing, I just burst out laughing. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 amazing line for me is uh, "shovel your way out of the shit and into the truth." <laughs> that is just uh, that is poetic. Now, don't get me wrong; I don't think he knows anything about what's going on. I do have a feeling though that there's going to be a weird, ironic thing where his cosmic flashlight or his gold shovel is going to become useful later yeah, on, yeah. but not in any way that that he intends it to. Yeah, be. it'll be accidental, or it'll just be what Cooper ends up using for something. Yeah, it'll just be oh, I need a shovel. Here's a shovel. But it's going to be kind of funny when it becomes something that actually turns out to be important in a tangential kind of way. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting from it. And that'll be really funny. Then we cut to the Pentagon. Because why not? 
the Pentagon. Cut, and then, cut everywhere else. Here's another actor you didn't see coming. Ernie Hudson is in the I scene. I did not see coming, no. Uh, and he's playing a Colonel Davis, which I thought was a really nice homage to uh, Don Davis, who played Major Briggs, which of course mm. is related to this plot. Um, but there's another uh, sort of officer named Cindy who comes in and she's like, we got another hit on uh, Major Briggs's prince. And he's like, well, that's like, I didn't actually catch the number. What was it like? 16th in 25 years. 16th hit in 25 years that his prince have shown up somewhere. And so go and investigate it. Go to South Dakota. Check it out. Um, and it probably won't turn out to be real, but if it does, we have to tell the FBI. Because they obviously know that their you know, investigations have been related to it and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, um, but I thought that was interesting. So that was a really nice surprise. Having him pop in like that. Mm. So that's cool. So Cindy's going to the South Dakota folk. So that'll be interesting. Um, all right. And then I did a glorious fake out because I thought the episode was ending. Me too. It cut to the bar, the bang, oh, bang me too. bar. You did the same shot of the, ref- the, the sign in the reflection of the yeah. fiddle. And then it, you know, they had the band playing the song. And for a little while, it was just shots of the band, shots of the crowd like it had been. And you expected the credits to play at any point. Well, well I was still going, okay, I can still... See. It went on just long enough that I was like, okay, I can see this being a, a scene. Like, we got at the end of episode two, where mm. it was the band, and then we got the scene, and then we just ended on the band again. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, but I thought it was a good fake out. I thought that was Lynch playing with this, because he set up this trend of ending each episode like this. We, we, we've learned the expectations, yeah. and he, I'm surprised the fake out is as early as it is, actually. Yeah, but he's subverting them, which just makes me think he's going to set new trends and then subvert them by the time we get to the end. Mm. But uh, So no, he's at the Bang Bang Bar, and uh, another actor that I knew was in the show, but I was waiting for her to pop up, was Jane Levi. She was uh, at the, one of the tables here. Um and she plays a character called Elizabeth, which I met, I only know from the credits. Like I didn't, like I didn't see her name in the scene. Um, but I, I know she's going to pop back up again because she's Jane Levi. Um, but yeah, so we have this intense character who's sitting at the table behind them, and he's smoking with a big no smoking sign behind him. And the employee comes up and tries to get him to stop. And then that Dick Chad, Chad from the police station, the one who was doubting the log lady, how dare he? He comes up and he pretends to just like basically ask for some smokes and he actually yeah, passes he's, him. He, he's kind of like alright I'll, I'll deal with this yeah so he's being corrupt and then he actually gives him like a secret amount of money like he actually sneaks him some money and it's like we were, we were talking about oh maybe Bobby's like secretly involved in the drug smuggling now I'm thinking Chad's the one up to no good there seems to be something perhaps I mean this this was uh, this just felt like a, a random bribe for what though for the to, so he could just carry on smoking I don't think it was for that do you not reckon the way he asked for it didn't make it feel like a code to me. Okay, I mean, I, I see what you mean, but I felt to I me mean, like like it was he wanted to pay off with you know something, but maybe, mm. maybe this is an, a, an arrangement they have for you know smoking it in general. It seems like a lot of money to spend every time you want to smoke indoors, but you're not meant to. Yeah, I'm not sure how much was actually in there. It just seems weird. I feel like it's I feel like it's hinting at a bigger thing. It may, it may not be the drug smuggling though. It may be something yeah, else. Yeah. But I feel like it is hinting at something bigger. And I, I know Chad is up to no good. He's, he's, a, he's a dick. He is a dick. Uh, but after this plays out, and you can tell one of the girls kind of tries to flirt with him, asks him for a light. It's, it's almost as if she feels enabled because he's doing it. And yeah. her name's Charlotte, uh, who was sitting next to Jane Levi's character, Elizabeth. And she, he's sort of like, oh, you come here. And she comes around and she sits next to him. And again, it's this show of bravery. Like, oh, I'm going to be forward and sit next to him and his side of the table. And he immediately just grabs her. Like, oh, you think yeah. you're pressing me? And basically starts swearing at her. He's like, "Oh, do you want me to f you? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to screw you so hard." And kind of thing. Like he's just super. It's it's full on sexual assault at this point, uh, or at least threatening of it, kind of yeah. thing. 
uh, really intense. Obviously, the other girls sort of like turn around and are like, "Hey, leave her alone." But that's kind of where we end the scene. We don't really get to see where it plays out. Yeah, he he just says, "Oh, all oh, you 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 smoking babies." I'm gonna it made me laugh, and he goes, uh, "I'm gonna laugh while I f you." Yeah, bitch. Don't forget the word bitch at the end. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, yeah. I did forget that. Um, interesting thing about this though is I was paying attention to the credits to see who this was, the character name. Oh, okay. His name. It's interesting for two reasons. The first name is interesting for one reason. The second name is interesting for another. Go on, hit me. First name is Richard. Okay, okay. Richard and Linda. Now, given that Lynch likes to name a lot of characters the same name, it may not be the Richard that the giant was warning us about, but we have to consider it as a possibility. Yep. Second name? Horn. Yeah. So he's Very related. He's related to Audrey and Ben and Jerry. Um, I think the popular theory right now is that it's Jerry's kid because he actually, in terms of physical appearance, looks a lot more like him than uh, anyone else. Like when he was younger, yeah. I mean. Like if you, if yeah, you look, yeah, yeah. If you look at David Patrick Kelly when he was younger, he looks kind of like this guy. Because um, I, I think he feels too old to be Audrey's kid. I agree. I mean, yeah, I could I be wrong, think. but he feels too old to be her kid. I mean, it depends if 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 it was very soon after we finished the show before. Well, the old the oldest you could be is twenty four, right? Yeah. If she just if, let's say that, that that sex in the plane, right, <laughs> with the old, old Jack. Right. Yeah, that that put him at about twenty four. Yeah, uh, he seems a little bit older than that to me. No, I know what you mean. I could, but yeah. if they told me he was twenty four, I'd go. Yeah, okay, all right. sure, yeah. I, 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 can see I, I agree. I'd go. I'd, I'd typically say he was a bit older than that as well. But I feel like Audrey would raise a better kid, though. I feel like Audrey would be a strong enough mother to like stamp this shit out of a little. I would really hope so. Uh, and if it is her kid, like, how did he end up this way? I don't really buy that she let this happen this way. If it is hers, which is why I'm thinking it's Jerry's kid, because yeah. Jerry seems like a guy who sleeps around a lot <laughs> and just ends up with a kid. Yeah. And I don't see him being a responsible father. No, not I, really. I see him leaving for days at a time and coming back with a nice baguette and saying, hey, look at how good this baguette is. Kid will always be well fed, though. <laughs> he will be. Oh, he's quite skinny, to be fair. He's a very chiseled individual. Yeah, but that's that's personal choice later in life. He was a chubby kid. I'm sure. I, actually, I think he's got a cool look. I, th- I think they did a really good job casting him because he seems kind of creepy. Just just from the get-go, he, he looks creepy. Yeah, and so the way he sits and holds himself. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a good choice, but no, Richard Horn, very interesting. Um, yeah. Then we cut to uh, Tammy, uh, the FBI agent who've been with uh, with Gordon and Albert, and she's basically just comparing uh, Cooper's photos with Doppel Cooper. Uh, which, by the way, I do want to point out just one weird complaint here is that Co- that that photo of Cooper looks like a promo shot for the show from inside the red room. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, hang on, that's the the red curtains, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I guess I guess the explanation for it is oh it's just there was red curtain somewhere else and that's where the photo was taken but it feels cheap it does it does feel like cheap like they didn't have another good photo to use of them um, it feels a bit weird maybe someone can explain because we I know this stage in the uh, the bang bang bar's got a red curtain so maybe they're going to argue yeah. it was in there but I'm pretty sure I've seen that promo photo before <laughs> probably so. it did feel like a promo pic. Yeah, so that's a bit weird. Um, I don't know if maybe there's like a meaning to be had there that we're not maybe reading into, but um, she's comparing the photos and then she's comparing his fingerprints. And at least from my untrained eye, because I don't know how to compare fingerprints, 
they did not look like they matched at all. No. Uh, no. Which, to be fair, they could, I mean, for all, if you'd asked me last week, like, does the doppelganger's fingerprints match real Coopers? I'd have been like, I don't know, probably. <laughs> I would have said, I would have said probably not. I'd have said they're the exact opposite. They'd be the reverse. They'd be flipped. Exactly. Everything would, would be inverted. This didn't even look like that, though. This looked like the, the new prints looked like a completely different shape to me. Yeah, maybe they're just mirrored. Possibly. Possibly. Um, but yeah, that, that was the whole scene. Again, it was just sort of reminded us maybe she's onto something. She's like getting to the bottom of this and she's realising it's not really him kind of thing. Yeah, she's definitely, at the very least, she's questioning. Even yeah. even if it turns out all oh, the fingerprints were the same, whatever. Yeah, which I guess she, is the one... She's definitely aware of something. Which is maybe the one disappointment of this episode is that we had that big tease at the end of the last episode oh, where, you know, we have to get her, we have to get she to come and see him. And we're like, oh, maybe it's Diane, maybe it's Audrey, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And that, that wasn't, not this yeah. episode. Uh, but again, that was a very... That, that was a thing, big thing yeah. in, in the original show. Like how, how many times the start of the show where it was like, oh, what are Jacks? We're going there next episode. Yeah, it took it took till the finale. They didn't go there, or maybe it was the end of the episode before the finale. But it, yeah, we, but we, that we, was from like episode three. Yeah, we were every, waiting for it. It was like five episodes. We were, we, every episode, we were like, oh, the next one must be when they go to One-Eyed Jacks. And it took like five of them. God damn it. Um... <laughs> But I, I, tr- I mean, I trust them. Like I'm, I'm trusting. Yeah, them, yeah. But... I mean, that was just it was. It's notable because that is something that happened. Yeah. So much in that original show, that we were really aware of it. Um, but you're going to drink your green tea latte. Are you going to like it? All right. <laughs> I, I, I really like green tea. So I've, I've never actually tried green tea. Ooh, I, have, I, I like lots of green teas. I've tried green tea. Um. But yeah, uh, then we had a very interesting scene. Oh, this is the thing, there was so much after this Bang Bang Bar that like, it's just kind of weird that we thought it was ending there. Uh, but the next scene was Doppelcoop in the, the jail and he's getting his phone call, which we obviously did mention in the last episode, that they want to monitor his phone call and get get record yeah. everything, see what he said, who, who's he speaking to, that kind of thing. And you feel like he's in control of the scene the entire time because he gets the phone and he stares up at the camera and he's watching them. It's like, you know he can't see them in the, the, the security room but you feel like you can. Yeah, yeah, because he's so aware they're watching. He goes, ah, now that everyone's here, I will make my call. <laughs> yeah. And then things get weird. He uh, he dials... Actually, before he dials Hun, I, mean, I need to talk about Mr. Strawberry. Right? Yeah, yeah, I was, before just he dials. Say, I was just about to butt in. I'm, I'm, I'm just jumping around in my head. I'm, I'm not looking at my notes properly. He, say, he looks at the camera and he says, who should I call? Should I call Mr. Strawberry? And the warden, uh, warden, I've noted his name as well, uh, Warden Murphy, he he reacts to that name. He sort of gulps yeah. and goes, "What the hell?" Like as if he knows who Mister Strawberry is. That it means something to him. Yeah. And then and then Doppelkoop says, "No, I don't think I will. I don't think he t- he's taking calls." Yeah. And that was like he almost jumped to. Is this someone that the warden had killed, and that's why he can't take calls? Is he like pointing something like a deep dark secret? Like I don't know. Mm, I think that's the most obvious interpretation to me. Because of the way he reacts, um, but then again, Mister Strawberry is such a bizarre name. Yeah, if it, it's it's inherently an alias in itself. Yeah. So it's who is Mister Strawberry? Is it so, some clearly pretty a, a criminal that, that he's aware of? Yeah, possibly. And also, I, I do have to point out this may seem obvious, but again, we're, we're going to keep pointing this out because it seems relevant. What color are strawberries? Right. Exactly. I just I was just saying. Just saying, the, the the red road leads us to Twin Peaks, and don't forget the the the, the green stems. 
Well, I'm just pointing that out in connection with with Dougie's stuff. You know, the green. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. Actually, I, 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 fair enough. There, I, there wasn't. There, I wasn't just. I'll be honest. There. For a second there, I thought that was just a random. I was like, "What the hell are you talking about? You ginger minge, <laughs> green stems. What are you talking about?" But no, yeah, no, fair. There, there was something there. Fair, fair. <laughs> so he punches he punches a number into the phone and it goes on for a while like he, he, he can tell that he's not it's, it's not a number he's putting in like a almost like a like an override code like so, yeah he like, seems to be hitting like a lot of random numbers very it, it's, it's the kind of thing where like maybe the, like a phone engineer would have like a security code to get into it to like mess with settings and kind of things or something like that or yeah. that kind of idea and he punches in this long long code and it sets off all the alarms in the prison and it's almost like he knows they're watching, listening, so he's going to make sure they can't hear him. Yeah, like that's you know that's kind of what, the practical sort of thing that he's doing. And then he punches in another code, another actual number. And this is when we actually cut to the uh, the location of the, the the receiver, the black box, the mysterious black box, which is in uh, Buenos Aires. Aries, <laughs> I'll say that again, Buenos Aires, uh, and. We, we just it cuts to this you know the city and then it cuts into this dark room where the box is and then it cuts back and then he says over the phone the cow jumped over the moon yeah and that's all he says and then the black box the receiver implodes yeah, into a little of, ball it almost like melts is kind of what it looks like yeah M- melts in the way into a little yeah. ball yeah um, now, obviously, that makes you maybe think of the, the gold ball with Dougie because it's kind of a similar implosion kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but obviously, the main things here is that this connects him in some way to the assassins because this is the same box that the woman who's running the assassins called. Yeah. Right? So they are at least partially linked in some way. Um, who, who put this receiver here? Was it uh, Doppelkoop? Was it Jeffries? Was it someone higher up? Like, And was this... Was this implosion planned? Was this like a self destruct yeah. code sort of thing that he gave it, Maybe. or was it just almost? I, I hate to say coincidence, but I, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think so. That's, that's wrong with the idea that Doppelcoop planted Dougie yes. to trick to trick Cooper into going to the wrong place so that he would be safe in the real world, right? I'm wondering if he, the cow has jumped over the moon is basically him referring to Cooper getting out. Is is that what he's saying here to the box? He's saying mm. the real Cooper is out of out of the lodge. Is that what that sentence means? I don't know if it is, but that's how I'm going to say that that's what it means just now for the sake of this argument. Is this a message to to self destruct this receiver so that when real Cooper finally like you know becomes Cooper again, that this is evidence that he can't find? Like does the, the trail is I'm cut just, off here? I'm just trying know. to think of the the rest of because you know you know the cow jumped over the moon's from a nursery rhyme. Yeah. I'm just trying to think, is there anything in the rest of that rhyme that would, you know, like, like this is a line that is supposed to trigger the, the, the whole thing? It's kind of a nonsense nursery rhyme. I don't know. Is this the, the trigger that... I don't know, like, because if, if he's sending the assassins, then he wouldn't be having to tell the assassin lady through the box just now. You know, just just on the assumption maybe that the timeline isn't exactly synced, maybe this is slightly before, and this is yeah. him putting out the order. It doesn't feel like it, especially since the box implodes. Yeah. So it has to still it had to have been there for her. So obviously that's not the case. But who who is he telling this to? And is it Jeffries? Is Jeffries like this mastermind behind stuff right now? Maybe I'm just I'm just thinking. Are you looking for the the nursery? I, I, I've got it here. But are you familiar with it? 
uh, vaguely tell, t- tell me the whole thing right, assuming it's not long it's not yeah. it's hey diddle diddle the cat and the fiddle the cow jumped over the moon the little dog laughed to see such sport and the dish ran away with the spoon The dish ran away with the spoon. Yeah. That sticks out to me out of anything it else seems, you said there. It, yes, especially with all the, the food in Twin Peaks. Yeah. The dish ran away with the spoon. Hmm. I also think that the follow-on line says, the cow jumped over the moon, and then the little dog laughed. So who would be the little dog? Bob? He'd be laughing because... That's something that we see a lot of. I mean, yeah. even at the start of this, when we see the flashback, we see the pair of them laughing. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. We thought this episode was already over at the bar, and then it drops this on as this, yeah, yeah, this cryptic exactly. stuff. Uh, but now we have Mr. Strawberry and the cow jumping over the moon to think about. Um, <laughs> cow jumping over the moon. It really, it really, given that we've seen Cooper sort of fall through space, essentially, that's what kind of made me just immediately think it was him. It also made me think because. He, he just had that thing in the car. Like, that's when he was arrested, but just after he puked out all that stuff. Like, which people are speculating is his Garmin Bosia. Uh, you know, <laughs> we talked about from Firebolt with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, that just happened. And he obviously felt things. He, he he was struggling. He was making sure it wasn't him during that scene, which makes me realise, okay, he that just happened. So this is... That's, which is why it makes me think this is what he's telling someone, because like, he just went through that before he got arrested. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, who's he telling uh, it to though i have no yeah, idea yeah. who's he telling it to and do they see the message because obviously we see the the box mm. destruct itself is it is that the message in itself like it, someone's watching this box that we don't see is the receiver relaying it to somewhere else so it relays it to somewhere else and then you know kind of like an ip ip reroute kind of idea yeah and then destroys itself so it yeah. can't be tracked back yeah, maybe. And let's assume Doppelcooper isn't ha- answering to a higher power. Maybe he's just telling his... Because fo- we know he's got other followers. We, there was that other woman uh, at the end of yeah. episode two. We know he has other people who work for him, so maybe he's relaying it to other people. And maybe there's a protocol. Like, once once he knows real Cooper's out, there's some steps that need to be taken uh, kind of thing. So, I, I don't know. Uh, I, it makes sense. It feels like he's definitely planned for this. This feels yeah. very organised, whatever it is. And it seems like, yeah, if he did put out the, the red car assassins on him, maybe he was expecting that the time, because he knew that the time was coming up because he said, I'm supposed to go to the Black Lodge tomorrow. He said that in the yeah. second episode. So maybe he doesn't know, he, he, he had them follow him, and then once it happened, that's when they were supposed to kill him. And that's why the woman's messaging back to the receiver, it's like, oh, it's not it's not worked yet. They've not got him. They haven't been able to find him. Um, but he's putting the, the thing in the receiver to tell them it's already happened. He's switched. It's him. Yeah, yeah, I think that yeah. makes sense as to why the the assassins are going after him, though. Because obviously, yeah. he knows that Dougie would swap with him. That was presumably his plan, where they'd take Dougie and Cooper would come back. There was no stopping Cooper coming back. But he, he, he'll he know exactly where he is, and it's like, right, just kill yeah. him. So maybe it's that simple. Maybe he's just sending a message back to the woman who's running the assassins. Maybe that's who's Could getting be. the message. Yeah. And she knows what that means. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but I do. I, honestly, I would bet money right now that that sentence means that Cooper's out. I think that's what that sentence means. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. But I mean, all right. Um, so yeah, that was kind of it. Uh, we cut back to Cook, real Cooper uh, with the statue. It's getting late. The security guard tells him there's no lighter in here. Uh, presumably, his wife is going to come and pick him up because she knows he has no car. At some point, 
but he basically just stays there staring and kind of obsessing about the the, the shoes and the, the shoes. legs. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting because obviously it was the shoes that he left behind. Hmm. I thought maybe this is a, a bad memory. He's like, he's going shoes. Why is shoes important? You know, yeah. why am I so fixated on those? I'm not going to lie. I never thought of that, but that's like, you're probably great. I think that's right. I, I remember when that happened, I pointed out that he left the shoes yeah, behind right, and, yeah. and you were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean it. And I don't know if the shoes being left behind actually means anything, but I agree that here it's like yeah, him yeah. Rem- maybe remembering that. He's remembering his shoes because they're more like his shoes, perhaps. Yeah, because at least like when he first woke up as Dougie, he didn't have shoes. That was the point. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think you may be right. And of course, that's when the name comes up in the credits play uh, to a fantastic piece of music. Uh, I don't have the name in front of me, but I did find it on YouTube. Uh, so it's a sourced piece of music from a musician. All right. Uh, really nice bit of music, though, I thought. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but there we go. That's episode five of Twin Peaks. Anything else that I've, I've glossed over that you... Uh... And here I was thinking we wouldn't go quite as long on this one. Yeah, you're full. I know. You're a fool. Uh, I like just to sort of sum up the episode overall, my feelings on it. I like the episode a lot. I think the scene with the sheriff's wife is a bit weird, uh, just maybe from her acting more than anything else. Um, but I like everything else it did. I like the introduction of this little, basically new Bobby and this little shithead Stephen. Um, I hate him already. Yeah, I like that. The, intre- the, 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 the introduction of uh, Amanda Seyfried's character, Becky, the idea that Shelley's kid, the idea that it really feels like a generational thing's happening in Twin Peaks, where we've got this new generation of the sort of early 20s, late teens sort of generation. Um, and every, everything with the phone call and Evil Coop, and that bit with the mirror was fantastic. I, I like this one a lot. Uh, I, have a, I have a question. You're talking about the, the generational thing. Obviously, mm. you know, Shelley's daughter is basically Shelley. Yeah. Who is the Laura Palmer? Who is the linchpin? Who's going to be the, 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 the victim, almost? Or even not the victim, who's going to be the person who's clearly on... Arguably, she is the, the Laura Palmer, because we've seen she's on drugs. Maybe she's in this downward spiral like Laura was. Uh, it's possible. Maybe she's at the start of that journey, or yeah. you know, towards the start of that journey still. Yeah, maybe. It depends. I mean, we've been introduced to uh, Jane Levy's character with uh, some other characters. I don't know how important the rest of them will be. I, I'm expecting her to be relatively a character that we see a few times because she is Jane Levi. Like they've cast someone. Yeah, who's yeah, exactly. That's horrible. it, isn't it? You, you expect it because you know yeah. their face. So I don't, I don't know how they're going to play into it um, exactly, but uh, I'm really interested to see where that Richard Horn stuff goes. He seems really creepy, and it's it's fascinating to me that we're still introducing new elements, completely new things in this fifth episode. But everything's been really interesting so far. So yeah, definitely. Uh, so. Yeah, we're, we're trying out a new thing, by the way. We're going to try it and see if it works. Uh, someone suggested we put a poll in the description where you, if you click in the poll, you can rate the, the episode of Twin Peaks, in this case, out of 10. Uh, obviously, 10 being the highest. Uh, we don't know if people will be interested in it, but if enough people start using it and like rating it every week and you can see what the average is and stuff between everyone who's watching watching our reviews, uh, if that's of interest to you, then click on it and give it a rating. Uh, but otherwise, guys, uh, thanks very much for watching. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. It helps us out a lot if you do all that. Head over to patreon.com slash TV. See some of the bonuses that we've got on offer if you want to support the channel. Uh, but that is us, guys. So we'll be back once again next week with part six. Thank you very much for watching. Have you got any vanilla?